Welcome to the Motorhome Matt podcast. Caravans, campervans, motorhomes and more. It's the place to get hints, tips and impartial advice from the expert himself, Matt Sims. Brought to you by thatleisureshop.com. Join us on the journey with Motorhome Matt. It's another Motorhome Matt podcast with me, Keith Gooden. And me, Motorhome Matt. I ask the stupid questions and Matt, he gives the stupid answers. (laughs) Sometimes. (laughs) Brought to you by thatleisureshop.com. Now, welcome along. But first of all, we would love you to subscribe to our content. You can do that on YouTube or any of the podcast platforms. Just click follow and subscribe and away you go. So let's go straight into the news, shall we? There's a proposal for a vehicle levy up in Scotland. That's my accent, by the way. That was good. Scotland. Scotland, which would mean motorhome is being charged. Uh, much like the ULEs in London, but it's not based on emissions. It's based on the fact that you're just having fun. Stay in there. It's not just motorhomes, it's all tourists. So the idea is this is a former SNP MP who's come up with this idea, is that all tourists who are staying in the region get charged a fee for doing so overnight, every day. What do you think of that? Well, lots of people around the world pay tourist fees. You go to the Caribbean and they won't let you out unless you pay the fee. And I said to them, fine, I'll stay. (laughs) (laughs) I suppose it makes sense if the locality wants to make some money and go some way, I suppose, uh, in recouping some of the costs for the fabulous facilities that that they uh, provide for us. I guess the question is, what's it going to be spent on? And what's more is the same guy wanting to introduce this tourism tax has suggested that motorhomes should be stopped from travelling in convoy when in Scotland. Do do people travel in convoy? Yeah, of course they do. I mean, not necessarily on purpose, but motorhomes tend to group together. It's interesting when you're travelling a route like that, you end up meeting the same people because you spend a couple of days here, move on, and there they are again. So you kind of end up travelling in a bit of a group. And and people do go up as multiple motorhome groups to enjoy each other's company and the scenery. So he was saying, no, we don't want that. We want you travelling individually. And I guess it's about oncoming traffic being able to pass And, you know, motorhomes have an impact on any place that we visit. We know that, we accept that. But certainly being down south, we have this these tales of woe and horror stories about the NC500, and are they true? It's the Motorhome Map podcast brought to you by thatleisureshop.com with me, Keith Gooden, and Motorhome Matt, the expert himself. We've got some new books from Siobhan Daniels and Highlands to Hammocks. We have, yeah. This is Siobhan's book, Retirement Rebel. I love a, a quote from Siobhan recently. You don't retire, you refire. Whoa. Love that. It's one for you, Keith. So Siobhan, she won't mind me saying this, she's a really dear friend and supporter of the podcast. Uh, it's been great to get to know over the last couple of years at all the shows. But she is 64. I think she's been living in a motorhome now for four or more years. She sold her house, bought a motorhome, Dora the Explorer, and she is off travelling the country and speaking at loads of events. And she's trying to inspire women to who get to an age where you think, well, I'm not really sure what I'm going to do next. She's on her own and off in a motorhome, just travelling and living in a motorhome full-time. And this is her book, Retirement Rebel, and it's how she's basically looked at retirement, ex-BBC journalist, and gone, you know what, I don't want to retire. and just be at home and, you know, knit <laughs> or whatever was on the table. Uh, she's gone off travelling, and she really is embracing life, I have to say. It's a lovely book. Um, so one to look out for, Retirement Rebel. You can buy it at thatleisureshop.com. OK, and the other book, From Highlands to Hammocks. Yeah, the, well, it's a whole series here. These guys have been super busy. Uh, Destination NC500. This is all their words and all their photographs. It's stunning. 
I mean, I love a book like this. They it's put amazing. it together themselves. That's the incre- incredible thing about it. It's, it really looks the business. I mean, usually when you see self-published stuff, you know, it can be a bit raggedy. This isn't. This is like a coffee table book. It's brilliant. It definitely is. And it's, yeah, you'd want to keep this and you really would read it. And Destination Sky, again, beautifully illustrated. Thousands of photographs in there. It must have taken them some time to do this. And this, we love this. This is the North Coast map. So people often say, you know, where do we go? And in here it opens out into a full full map. There's every pinpoint on here of campsites, places to eat, places to empty your water, places that you can legally empty your toilet, fuel stations and so on. It's a really, really handy glove box map. Do you sell these books by any chance? We do, yeah. We bought them off them. I couldn't really not buy them, could I? We do sell them at thatleisureshop.com. It's the Motorhome Matt podcast with me, Keith Gooden. And with me, Motorhome Matt. Okay, our main topic of the conversation today is uh, with Highlands to Hammocks, and we are talking Scotland. Let's talk about the NC500. We touched on that, didn't we, uh, Matt, in the news? Uh, Are motorhomers and caravanners welcome with these ideas of charging extra and stopping people from forming a convoy? What's that, three motorhomes? Five, ten, fifteen? That's a good question. I mean, certainly living down south here... I hear horror stories all the time of people who apparently have had their motorhome egged, they've had dog feces thrown at the windscreen, abusive notes left on the motorhome saying, go home. Is this true? How prolific is this? So I discussed this with Gemma and Campbell because they have a view that it's not prolific. COVID, of course, created, post-COVID, a massive surge in motorhomes going to the NC500 because you know, people couldn't fly, uh, and people thought, well, we've never been to Scotland, let's go to Scotland. Let's see a beautiful part of our own country. Yeah, and NC500 had really, really good PR. I think, I believe it was a name created by a motorhome hire company up there, and uh, it had really good reports, and it is stunning. But we're hearing really conflicting views, and I guess it's always the horror stories that make the press. Um, that picture of a toilet cassette being emptied over a grass verge, you know, just awful. No news like bad news. No, absolutely. As far as the press is concerned. Well, you'd know, years and years in radio. Absolutely. Well, people aren't interested in good news. Well, how many of the stories you read out were good news on morning radio? Well, quite a few of them, to be honest with you. But like I said, people aren't interested in good news. You know, 15 people have been kind to each other today. It doesn't make the headlines. You've just got to accept it's human nature. They they like conflict. And I guess, like we said before, the total number of people using a motorhome and certainly going to Scotland has increased. But that just means the percentage of bad apples, we can call them that, hasn't changed probably. There's just more of them now. Do you know what I mean? So, you know, if it was 100 before, it's now 10,000. It's the same percentage that are the people who are abusing it. So I asked Gemma and Campbell for their view as Scots people living in Scotland uh, although now living full-time in a motorhome and doing a lot of travel, but people who have expertise and experience. It all started as a way of us kind of documenting our travels. So Campbell and I have been together now for nearly 11 years, actually. Yeah, yeah. One of our first trips was we went across to Australia and Campbell came over and met me after doing a placement in San Diego. We travelled a bit of Australia together. This was our first so experience of renting a camper van, did the East Coast. It was like, you know, Gold Coast, Brisbane up to Cairns. It was like amazing. And we were like, right, finish uni, get some money, get some experience behind us and we're going to come back to Australia and convert our own camper van. So that happened, I'd say a little bit, two years later. Yeah. We got over to Australia, finally converted our little camper van. We were over there for a year, lived in our camper van. It was 
amazing. She was a little Toyota Hiace called Roxy. <laughs> tiny, <laughs> tiny, absolutely tiny. Yeah. It was like a low roof. We had to cook, stand outside to cook our dinner. Yeah. We we were doing farm work. We actually showered from a bucket. So we would boil a, bo- a pot of water, mix it with some cold water, and then that was our shower for three months. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> and, um, very, very basic. Yeah, and I guess Highlands the Hammock started um, sort of just prior to that, where we were living in London before we went on this big Australia trip. And we just decided... Let's like document our travels online. Like people always ask us how much did it cost and blah blah. Where did you go? And we're always like, what oh, tips do you have for visiting um, these places? You know, trying yeah. to recall all these memories. And we thought, why don't we just document it? Then we're not texting our parents every day to let them know that we're alive. So yeah. <laughs> we sort of started it. The the name of it came from Highlands of Scotland to the hammocks of Fiji. So we'd gone to Fiji after our very first Australia trip together. We're landing okay. in a hammock, thinking. This is the life. Yeah, this is about me. Yep. We'll be coming back to the hammocks one day. So it's kind of that journey from the Highlands, Highlands of Scotland, Scotland back to the hammocks of Fiji again. Yeah. And, uh, it's a great name. I yeah, love it. Thank you. Really good yeah. So then you came back to the UK. Yes. We and did. Yep. where did you go then? So that was uh, Christmas. Just, 2019. Yeah. So just before COVID. Um, plan was we came back, surprised our families in between our Australian visas. We left our little camper van in our friend's garden. Swearing to her that we'll be back in three months. We're like, no, no, it'll be fine. We'll be back in three months' time. Don't worry, it can just sit there. Yeah. Um, 16 months later, we still hadn't gone back because the C word happened. <laughs> so unfortunately, we had to sell our little Roxy because yeah. she was like kind of collapsing in on herself from the rust. Yeah. Oh dear. I know. And we had worked over in Guernsey um, in healthcare over there during, during, during that pandemic, time. Yeah. And we were working shifts, hardly seeing each other, just constantly working. And, and also working on Highlands to Hammocks at the same time because prior to that, I guess we were kind of doing it full time. We weren't really, it hadn't, wasn't really running as a full business, but we were still kind of doing collaborative things with people and we were still really keen to like. Keep and so, was it. your ambition then to be travel gurus? Can I call you that? Was that always the vision to be what you are now? It hadn't always, as, as Jim said, it started off as like a, a kind of a hobby, a way to share our stories with friends and family. And then the more we travelled, the more we met people that were doing this kind of thing mm-hmm. as a full time job. And we thought, that looks amazing. You know, yeah. if you can get travel, you have the flexibility to go where you want in the world and you don't need to, you know, get tied down and not be able to see each other working full time jobs. So, when we came back from Australia to Guernsey, it was only supposed to be for three months, and we said we're going to work during those three months on our website, really build it up and try and launch it to take it full time. And then obviously we got stuck in Guernsey during the pandemic for about 16 months. And by the end of that, we were just like, right, that's it. We've got a good amount of savings because we worked the entire time, yeah. and it's time to actually go two feet into this and instead of Take like the dabbling in and out of it. So yeah, yeah we quit our jobs in. So then you went and bought Ellie. We, we did, did indeed. That was Which when is we your motel. Yep. <laughs> our home now for the past two years. Okay. And funnily enough, we actually just met up with a couple of friends yesterday and we were just kind of talking about the story of how we got our motorhome because we had actually planned to come back across from Guernsey back to Scotland and we'd, we'd had some ideas um, whilst we were working in Guernsey about providing more information on the North Coast 500 because we had seen a lot of bad press up there and we thought, you know, how can we help? Like, how can we help educate people that are going up there and camp around a motorhome or a tent or even just people that are going up as tourists on how to travel responsibly? Well, we'd always wanted to buy our own van again, yeah, hadn't we? we wanted um, to live in it, yeah. And we thought the only way to actually facilitate writing this book and being able to educate people was actually spending a good length of time around the route. And originally we planned to buy a van and convert it because that's what we did in Australia. And then it was, going back to what Gemma said about our friends, when we were travelling up from Guernsey back up to Glasgow, we stopped at a campsite, met our friends and they lived in their motorhome. 
And we just went inside it and we were just like, okay, we need to get a motorhome. This place is huge. It was like a mansion <laughs> yeah. on wheels. Before our little Roxy, we couldn't even stand up in it, let alone like put our arms out and, you know, touch the roof or without touching the roof. And, and at that point, massive. we were camping in our tent out of, <laughs> out of Campbell's Corsa that literally yeah. was jam-packed full of all of our life from like the past like 16 months. That's it. So we were like, took one look at each other and we were just like, Let's we need a motorhome. Right? Yeah, we need a motorhome. It's so. the only way. So that was it, we were sold and yeah, it took a bit of hunting, but we knew exactly what we wanted. We wanted a fixed bed, we wanted to have like an oven, we kind of knew the layout we wanted. Mm -hmm. A shower that we didn't need to go outside for. Yeah. In in Scottish winters, it wouldn't have really worked out very well. As Scots people, what is your view of the NC500? You've alluded to some of the bad press it's had. Yeah. What do you think of it? So we, we first visited up the very northern coast of Scotland just before we went to Australia. The first time was we'd just quit our jobs and we'd planned to go backpacking. We thought, well, we can't go all the way over to Australia and not visit our own back garden, you know, in Scotland. So we went up there in our tent, in our car, and we camped around, wild camping around there for two and a half weeks. Yeah, and campsites. And on campsites as well, yeah, when we had to do laundry or when we had to get charge up our laptops or whatever. And we just absolutely fell in love with it. There's nowhere really like it that we've mm. been to in the world, such as Scotland. Um, when the sun's shining, it's just like nowhere else, really. It it's, it's the most beautiful, pristine, like tranquil place you'll ever go to. And it really hurt us when we started to hear about this bad press. Like Jim said, we were in Guernsey. We wanted to try and help to educate people. And we thought the only way to do that is by actually educating and by writing a book on something. And looking at it now, I think it is definitely something that we would still recommend to people. I, mm. I don't see it as being a bad thing, to be honest. I think um, the number of lives that we've, or people that we've spoken to whose lives have been changed by the tourism that it's provided, mm. and right. then also whose lives have been changed by the people that have actually gone there and visited. You know, how many people have we spoken to that have said, went up to the north coast of Scotland and now we're looking at buying a house. Just because it is just, everyone just falls in love with it. Yeah. And so many people now have opportunities up there to actually start a business, whereas before they might have had to move to Inverness or somewhere. Because of the growth in tourism there. So there was a huge boom that was created. You know, people couldn't go abroad. And the NC500 became this huge must-go-to destination. Uh, And there were stacks of reports of it being overcrowded, people everywhere no room at campsites you know you couldn't pass each other on the roads because they were so narrow was that true is that what it's like now i mean we weren't up there at the time so it's hard to comment on that but we've been up a lot since then i Um, think like since since we came back we've possibly spent close to 12 months in total of amount of time up there in all seasons through winter through to summer it is busy yeah yeah it is busier probably busier than it was 10 15 years ago but the entire world is busier as well in that sense. I've been to Cornwall yep. in summer and it's been jam-packed. Yeah, I guess there's a lot more people out there in the roads, a lot more people have the money for vehicles, particularly campervans yeah. and motorhomes as well. And more well. people are choosing to holiday at home, whether that's just because they've discovered the beauty of their home country yeah. or other like budget restrictions that are going on at the moment. But I don't believe we've visited the country since we started travelling again. That, that wasn't affected during that period yeah. of mm-hmm. over-tourism in their own back garden. And speaking to people again since then, it seems like it's gotten a lot quieter. Yeah. Like we've actually spoken to a few people up there who were a little bit worried after this season because 2020 was the year it all blew up. Yeah. 2021, things started to relax. It was very busy, same with 2022. Whereas this year, it's starting to see that decline again, where I guess a lot more people are choosing to go abroad again yeah. um, because of sunshine or whatever else. And or just maybe they can't afford to actually go up there anymore, unfortunately. But Gemma, you drew a, a comparison to Cornwall, mm-hmm. uh, which has got massive infrastructure yeah. 
and campsites everywhere. It's not like parts of the Highlands, which, you know, I did it well several times 10 years ago. Yeah. And it, you're right, I agree with you, Campbell, it's much busier now from the photos I've mm-hmm. seen than it was then. But isn't it the case that people are emptying their toilet cassettes on every corner? I mean, that's what we hear on Facebook. Is, is that happening? I mean, yeah. it's not. It's not. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely not. We've never seen that. In yeah. all honesty, we've never seen that. I mean, I mean you spent a year there. Yeah. Did you ever see it happen? Never. No. Not once. I'm not denying that it has no. happened, unfortunately. No. Um, there's obviously the photographic evidence of it. It's yeah. just if it was going to be happening every single week on every single corner, we wouldn't be seeing the same photo that's been circulating you know, for the past but six months. But we always say, like, I don't believe people are doing this out of being bad people. Yep. People are doing it because they're not educated on how to do it properly. Right. People will yeah. always choose the right thing to do as long as it is easy enough, like, or yeah. it's the easiest thing to do people would choose. So if you can just make the right thing to do easier than the wrong thing, then yes. that's the only yeah. solution to these problems. And education's part of that. If people know where the right place to dump their toilet is, then they'll go and do that. And that was another reason um, like for our book, we wanted to make sure that we included places around the route that you could dispose of your yes. toilet waste, yeah. places that you can top up with your water, because these are things that... You know, people need to know. Yeah, and when you're in a motor, and that's really important, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. That you know where you can do that, and you, yeah. you do it right. Yes. That's exactly. the key. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So let's talk about that favourite buzzword on the podcast, not toilets, while camping. Oh, yeah. The number of people that come into the hire business here at Motome Holiday Company, and they say, we want to go to Scotland, <clears throat> we want to do the NC500, and we haven't got any campsites booked, we're going to wild camp our way around it. Mm-hmm. Just explain for us, while camping in your experience and your understanding in the highlands yeah so while camping i believe refers to the scottish outdoor access code which is talking about private land and usually well it says no motorized vehicles on private land that is basically without prior permission that's what while camping uh, refers to and the scottish outdoor access code refers to so the while camping in that sense means that you know you hike out to somewhere stay in a, out in a tent in the middle of nowhere beautiful scenery all around you and then you hike back to your vehicle or hike back to your house without leaving any trace you know that's the scottish outdoor access code and we we always kind of love that as well like we did our fair share of that as well and it's one of the reasons why we love scotland is because we have that freedom to just Mm -hmm. be able to go out and enjoy the wilderness Mm -hmm. of scotland that it has to offer because there's so much land up there that you could go for maybe 20 kilometers and not see a single other person you know in some places and so when it's when it's spoken about in terms of the motorized vehicle technically it's not wild camping it would be more referred to as like off-grid parking which is equally as legal because it's according to the obviously the highway code if you are tired and you are in need of a rest you can pull in as long as you're parked safely as long as you're parked in a designated parking area and you can stay there until you're fit enough to drive again what you can't do is put your activities outside of the vehicle and i think that's where a lot of this kind of confusion and i guess a lot of the backlash Mm -hmm. from the north comes from is because all of a sudden you've got people setting up their motorhomes with their runnings their deck chairs out barbecues out barbecues out you know and that's where it starts to rub people the wrong way because if it's in the middle of nowhere people usually just keep themselves to themselves but if you're if you're doing it in the middle of a busy car park where people can't get access to walk their dog or just enjoy Mm -hmm. the beach obviously people are going to take offence to that yeah. and overstaying your welcome as well yeah. I would say like staying some, in the one place for too long that can also cause a bit of upset yeah. 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 so the code that we would always recommend is arrive after dark, leave before light and which I, you did yeah. that last night at a local yeah. farm shop up the road you yeah, were there yeah, exactly, because late like, in the evening and we didn't left cause early. any problems, no one had anything to say if someone came along and knocked on us then we'd apologise and move on you know it's always yeah. a, it's, you just respect if you're not wanted somewhere just there's plenty of other and places you you've can been go living to. in your motorhome for two years. How often have you had that? 
Never. Knock on the door. Never. Never. Not once. No. Never. We were talking about that last night. Again, I was saying, I feel like every time we park up in a place like this, as YouTubers, we should probably have the camera ready <laughs> because, you know, that yeah. is like the golden title and thumbnail who we got the knock. Like, that's one way to guarantee clicks, but we've not once been <laughs> no, able to use haven't. that. So, um... Tell me where you're staying tonight. I'll be there. <laughs> <laughs> now, I want to bring this to your attention on a portal called Van Life Matters. And this is a Locharan. Is that how you say that? Loch Arran. Loch yeah, beautiful My place. best Scottish. Okay, beautiful place. Well, yeah. Robin Pettigrew lives there, and he is calling for a vehicle levy on all vehicles travelling the NC500. So locals are going to be exempt from this, but he is suggesting that this tourism tax, if I can call it that, mm-hmm. is introduced on vehicles wishing to travel the NC500. What do you think about that? Any vehicle or just vehicles? As I understand vehicle? it, yeah. So uh, the report entitled tourism but not at any price states the success of visit scotland and other agencies in delivering an ever-increasing number of visitors to scotland has unfortunately not been matched with sufficient infrastructure investment to accommodate them this is having a massive environmental impact across scotland extensive litter and human waste pollution destruction of and damage to flora and fauna erosion of road verges by parked cars and vans obstruction to other road users including emergency services fouling of water courses by chemical waste barbecues and campfires sounds awful pettigrew argues that a vehicle-based tax is not only fairer but it will bring in a similar level of revenue he proposes that vehicles of residents and businesses in the highland council area should be exempt should he do it like i am kind of on the fence with it in the sense yeah. of like as long as that kind of revenue is used appropriately i do believe that it is actually necessary yeah. i think like we're one of the only countries that doesn't infor- in, like use some kind of tourism tax you go to anywhere across europe it's maybe a pound a night or something like that yeah. any even down in southeast asia we went there o- over last winter and it was the exact same uh, i think it was yeah, malaysia yeah. had just introduced a tourism tax and it's just it's the same with any kind of tax as long as it's used appropriately for the local businesses to try and assist it Mm-hmm. I've got absolutely no issue with that, especially when it is as fair as every single vehicle, apart yeah. from locals and local trade, because I think that's the key part. Yeah. There's no reason that the locals should have to pay for it. Yeah, yeah. But if it's used to try and increase the infrastructure, such as provide wider roads, provide services for people to dispose of their toilets properly, dispose of waste properly, and increase the amount of parking that can mm-hmm. be used, and even, I guess, um, encourage local businesses to reduce their fares because they might be getting a little bit of a helping hand to get their businesses off the ground or where you know there's a cost of living crisis just now there's constant kind of things uh, local restaurants and cafes talking about how either they need to all of a sudden charge five pound for a coffee or they need to shut down so maybe a little bit of a helping hand mm-hmm. to them would be i think it'd be very um it'd be a very good move i think yeah i have to say even over the past couple of years we have noticed as well a lot of changes in terms of um road developments yeah. and more chemical waste disposal points like they are they are putting money into it so yeah i suppose if the if the money goes into the right yeah. areas then i did yeah. read online that the, the scottish government had dedicated I, I think it was about 20 million i don't, don't quote me on it but it was it was in the millions and it was in the tens of millions over the next like five or ten years to local development around the nc500 and i think it comes back to that kind of conundrum of like chicken and egg this place was like the most remote place in the UK. Why would it have the tourist facilities before you have the tourism? Mm. Yes. You're not going to have tourist facilities until you get the traffic. So it will come over the next decade or so. We just needed to have a little bit of discomfort, I guess, mm. in the meantime. But I think that something like that would greatly help it and to help the local businesses out 
uh, and the amount of people who have, who have had their lives changed by it, I think it's worth it. Yeah. Well, let's see if we have to pay to go around the NC500. It's like a toll road, I suppose, isn't it, all of a sudden? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess. Yeah. 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 How much do you think they should charge? What would be a reasonable fee, do you think? I think a pound a day would, would yeah. be reasonable. The number of cars that visit up that kind of way, oh, yeah. that would be millions of pounds every year. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So, guys, where can people find out more about the amazing website you've got, Highlands to Hammocks, and the products on there? We're on Highlands 2 Hammocks with a number 2 and um, we're also on YouTube as well where we release weekly vlogs about our van life adventures and then as Gemma spoke about we do have a book on NC500 Out which is mainly aimed at trying to spread traffic around, educate people on how to travel it responsibly and I guess it's aimed at van lifers specifically because we list about where to get water, where to dispose of waste and then just tips and advice about driving the NC500. We do sell that book as well as our other books and also our North Coast map as well, which we've just launched. Just released, yeah. Yep. We also sell them on our Destination Earth Guides website, which is our self publishing company that we yep. publish the books through. Okay. Um, and there's also more information about travelling on there as well. Now, I happen to know that you're heading off overseas by a plane because we're storing your motorhome. Oh, yes. <laughs> That's correct, yeah. Now, a weird twist of fate. Jet 2 have booked your motorhome into our storage business. Yep. I know. And I saw the name and thought, That's Campbell and Gemma. <laughs> <laughs> So where are you off to? What's next? So we're, we're, we've got a couple of holidays planned. Like We realise that the only way we actually take a break is if we go abroad separately because we're so inspired to always try and share our memories and create <laughs> content. So I'm going away to Spain with my friends and then you're going away to Spain with your friends. Yeah, I'm going to Mallorca. And then something. we're going to Turkey on our press trip. Okay, and you're October. writing... So you're having a proper holiday yeah. Yeah. and then you're reuniting to write some content on Turkey yeah, yeah so that's um, that's kind of content for Jet 2 and yeah. Yeah. Uh, we'll for our website most likely YouTube be doing a video well. yeah, definitely yeah. So it's the so first time in Turkey and it's over my 30th birthday so it's a oh. perfect, perfect time brilliant yeah. Turkey feels like it's the new must go to destination for Brits yes. yes do you know what I mean it's, it's a real so. push yeah, I don't yeah. know who's so driving it it's yeah. popular for van life as well yeah. really yeah yeah, yeah. we've got a lot of friends that say you need to go to Turkey in your van yeah. but we've always said we've seen these videos on Instagram where they open up the van door and there's like this little poppy sitting outside it's like a local stray and yeah. you're like we'll go to Turkey when we're in the position that we've finished all our long term overseas travels <laughs> and can actually have a dog because okay. if the we end up with a little puppy that we meet that have a van and have adopted a Turkish street dog we're just like <laughs> oh, we, if we ever want a dog we'll just drive to Turkey because right, they're, okay. they're just beautiful yeah. they're beautiful yeah. Well, we'll look out for that. And we know when you've got the dog, you've taken yeah, yeah, it. Exactly. Yeah. That's it. Well, we look forward to reading all about Turkey <laughs> and have a great trip and enjoy thank your you holidays so and a very yeah. happy birthday. Yes, thank, thank you. you very much. Thanks yeah. so much. And who should Matt bump into at the big show at the NEC just a few days ago? You guys have been on stage today, haven't you? Yes, yeah, yeah. Absolutely exhausted from it. But yeah, yeah it was really good fun uh, talking all about Scotland, road tripping in Scotland and why you should come to Scotland. So, yeah, yep, it was brilliant. Lots of reasons. Well, loads of positive feedback here on your presentation. So well done. Thank now, you. you are show virgins, as you, you said that phrase to me. Yeah. I, don't, ne- I don't remember saying that. <laughs> <laughs> so you've never been to this show before. Gemma, what's it been like for you? Well, I have to say on the first day, we were both in bed by our about seven eight o'clock because we were absolutely exhausted and um, quite overwhelming on the first day it's absolutely massive i mean there's just if we were coming here to buy a van i think you would i'd almost need a couple of days i think to actually see yeah. how many of them there are and make a decision because it's crazy how much there actually is here yeah yeah we're loving it loving it so far it's been great it's a great vibe isn't it it's yeah. lots of positive energy lots of smiley people it's a lovely crowd what's been a highlight for you campbell 
I would possibly say the people as well, just have been able to actually network with so many people in the same industry as us, put some names to faces mm -hmm. of the brands that we use all the time, get to know the people that actually represent those brands. And then it was really cool coming along and seeing the newer models, because it's obviously all 2024 models that are here. So coming along, seeing what's new, see what's changed. Um, we're laughing about the difference in the, even just the heating element between our van and the latest AutoQuest 155. There was an entire storage space that we would have opened up because it, they used a new kind of tiny model of yep. heating. So obviously it was a tiny little unit and we would have so much more storage if we had it compared to our big combi boiler. So it's amazing to see how much the technology has advanced. You sound like a man that's tempted to change your motorhome. Are you going to change it? Oh, I don't know. I mean, um, I would say the price tag's definitely off-putting. <laughs> but Ellie will always have our hearts, I think. We just need to upgrade her, I would say, more than anything. You've done loads to her already, though. What else are you going to do? Well, we really want to winterise her for winter because winter in a van in Scotland is actually um, quite cold, would you believe? So we want to get a space heater um, and refillable gas. So we've got enough gas to run that because I would love to wake up in the morning with a little timer that means I don't wake up with a freezing nose. So that's the plan. <laughs> <laughs> a freezing nose. Well, it's great to see you here and it's lovely to see you on stage at the show. You're kind of a new act uh, and fresh young faces at the show, which is really exciting. So I'm glad you've had a good time. You're back tomorrow? Yes, we are. 20 past three, I believe, the last show. So make sure you hang around if you are at the NEC. Yeah. Um, and yeah, we're talking all things Scotland all over again. Yeah, well, we look forward to hearing it and we'll see you soon. Take care. Thank you. So that's Gemma and Campbell from Highlands to Hammocks. You can see them on highlands2hammocks.co.uk. And as we mentioned earlier, Matt, some of the books are magnificent. They are, yeah. You can buy them at thatleisureshop.com. Their website is phenomenal. If you're looking for travel inspiration, I was blown away after spending 10 minutes looking through it. Nowhere near enough time. But it's an amazing travel guide and so many blogs and vlogs on there of their experiences. But yet they managed to escape. They actually managed to uh, break down outside the shop. Campbell had left the hazard lights on on his motorhome. Uh, and then we went and recorded the podcast, went back to it and click. <laughs> Oops, <laughs> see, everybody does So, uh, yeah, our team came to the rescue and off they went. It's the Motorhome Matt podcast with me, Keith Gooden. And me, Motorhome Matt. I asked the silly questions and Matt, well, he's the star of the show. Really? Yeah. No. <laughs> Get those pom-poms out again. <laughs> My favourite part, I say it every week, of each podcast, it's our Q&A, questions and answers from you. First of all, Mike Saunders from Bristol has been in touch. I've got a Chausson C... 656. Pretty sure it's only got one leisure battery under the passenger seat. It looks like there's space for another one. Can I add another one, do you know? And does it need to be the same type? And what kind of connections do I need to do? Thanks. That's my that's my oh, Thanks for your question. Thanks. I think, I think what happened there is he put a pillowcase over his head to ask a question and then took it off at the edge. Do you think, think he was being mugged? <laughs> Mike, we're sorry for taking the mickey. Mike Saunders from Bristol. Have you got an answer for it? So it shows on 656, yeah, big seven-birth motorhome. Familiar with those? We've got them on the hire fleet. You can get a second ledger battery under there, Mike, but it's really important they're matched. So they need to be exactly the same type. My suggestion would be one of two things. Firstly, go and buy two batteries that are identical. So if you're going to fit AGMs, make sure that they are the same type and the same amp hour. In terms of connecting them, the thickest cable you can possibly buy, certainly no thinner than the cables coming from the batteries. Really important and as short a cable as possible. So if you're sitting them next to each other, very easy to have a very short cable. If you're not sure, 
get someone to professionally install it. And if you are fitting two batteries, I would consider a plastic cover so there's no chance of the seat base shorting them out. Ian Rainford's from Paul. Hi, Matt and Keith. Why do cam sites, mostly club sites, use push slash timed showers and not allow us to use a normal tap? You wouldn't see them in the most basic of hotels. So why do campsites still insist on them? Well, it's a good question. It's a fair point as well. It's true. It's because people forget to turn the tap off. That's well, why. It's I a waste it, of water, isn't it? I'm guessing if the campsite is on a water meter, it could get very expensive if someone left the tap on. Uh, mind you, I was in a the Malvern show... And they at all these shows, they have these trailers with showers in. They're really good, I have to say, they're nice and hot. And I pressed the button and it wouldn't turn off. <laughs> you broke it? No, well, no I, it, well, it was broken. I'm not sure I broke it. I couldn't turn the damn thing off. So I'm there trying to get out of the shower and dried. And I kept my towel was so I gave up in the end. Just put my dry robe on and walked out. Actually, it's a dip robe. Um, and, uh, and went home back to the van soaking wet so you did remember the robe this time then i did <laughs> yeah, yeah thank of course quite a stir in malvern <laughs> in the past well, i guess it's to save water yeah and the club are very em- environmentally aware mm-hmm. um, and yes they can be annoying because halfway through rinsing the shampoo out of your hair tap goes off or the shower goes off you've got to press it again but it would be a water conservation installation manifestation a conservation installation <laughs> manifestation ian from paul from paul ian talking about from paul uh, thanks very much but let's face it how difficult is it just to turn the shower back on again claire's in wakefield hi matt we have a bailey autograph 68-2 2017 and there is an led strip light above the sink and you touch it to turn it on it's flickering and needs changing i don't suppose you know how to change it there are no screws and i've tried all ways to take it off i've asked prima and they can't help. Thanks for sharing all your knowledge with us. I watch you on YouTube. Hi, Claire. I'll give you a wave. <laughs> Thanks for your question. Oh, you know what? You're not the first person that has reported to me one of these lights has failed. And I'm surprised Prima Leisure didn't have one. To my knowledge, they pull out. There are no screws. You're right. But it could be bonded in. I would suggest take it to a Bailey dealer or go and Google the NCC approved workshop scheme where an engineer is probably familiar with working on Baileys, will know how to get it out, and they may be able to source one from you, or find your local Bailey dealer, uh, and they will be able to source one for you and supply it. Cheers, Claire, from Wakefield. By the way, if anybody wants to ask you a question, Matt, what should they do? Very easily. Go to mhmp.info forward slash askmatt. Or you could leave us a review. What address is that one? We would love that too. It's mhmp.info forward slash review that's mhmp.info forward slash review what a lovely scottish feel for to the podcast this week matt i've had a whale of a time will you take that kilt off now please <laughs> i haven't got anything underneath thanks for listening to the motorhome matt podcast remember to check back here for more episodes full of hints and tips and helpful advice we'll see you soon for another motorhome matt podcast brought to you with thatleisureshop.com. leisure